Hey everyone, I'm Alex. And I'm Courtney. And this is Nerds at Odds. Nerds at Odds is your weekly podcast for all things in nerd culture and beyond. And if you want to get the show four days early, ad-free, and with the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, head on over to patreon.com slash nerdsatodds. And you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Nerds at Odds. And if you can also leave a review of the podcast on whatever app you're listening to us on, that would help us out a lot. And we do have a YouTube channel where you can look at all of our old episodes of the podcast, as well as unboxing videos maybe gaming videos and we do have a twitch channel as well yeah so check those out those are both that nerds at odds and now let's get on to what we've been up to courtney what have you been doing recently i've been playing assassin's creed valhalla a little bit more a little bit more li- your last save file said i think said uh 15 hours yeah uh well i mean i haven't really had a chance to play that much this week i just started playing really this day today the day we're recording is gonna be my Valhalla day and I've been doing some reading playing some some app games on my phone but let's let's talk about Valhalla a little bit uh for those who maybe haven't listened to our next-gen console episode yet which you guys should check out what have you thought about Valhalla I really enjoy it I like the story is very good I like Vikings Mm. the Viking mythos is fun and there's definitely a lot of stuff to do, and sometimes it can be a little bit annoying. Like, there's a tiny little hole that you have to shoot an arrow through uh, to, like, break to up unlock bl- a door. Yeah, so there's, like, treasure hidden in people's houses, and you have to, to unlock the houses. And To be fair, I didn't need it, but I wanted it. <laughs> it the, the house unlocking puzzles seem a bit annoying to me. Yeah, well, that one was just, like like leather and stone mm. supplies that sort of thing not like not like the the wealth that yeah. you need to collect on the map you know like the big wealth yeah it was like a tiny wealth the most interesting aspect of the game for me is the city building aspect like you have your little viking village that you're upgrading as the story progresses yes uh, i think that's the thing that interests me the most because i like the kind of micromanaging type stuff so you get the resources you build the different buildings in your town you level up your town i like that aspect yeah uh i th- i can't remember what my town is it's not i think it's a settlement now mm. it was an encampment when you first start and then you had to upgrade uh, uh update your village enough times and then it becomes a settlement and then it'll probably become a village and then so on and so yeah. forth i just have it as a settlement right now but i'm going to work on some raiding right now i'm doing a quest thing which is unlike me it's a side quest though, right? Because you haven't... Because, like, you've beat the prologue where you go to England. Yes. And you've picked up your first quest to, like, go make an ally in England. Mm-hmm. But you haven't started that yet. No. Well, I'm going to go get someone on my side. Sort of. Yeah. He's not, like... It's not, like big main quest yeah he's not like a mayor of a town or something that i'm assuming all the main quests no so i think he's got a white bear with him cool i think that that's that that's part of the quest is like oh you gotta find this guy he's got a white bear well in odyssey if i would call you played about 180 hours i'm not sure how much of that is dlc stuff 
though you didn't complete the Atlantis DLC. I did not complete But I'm assuming like 150, 160 of those were just base game. And at this pace, do you think you're going to be able to put that many hours into Valhalla? Oh, for sure. For sure? More than, probably. <laughs> I'm already at like 17 hours or something. Yeah. And uh, I enjoy games that give you a lot of content for your money. Do you feel like the content you're completing in Valhalla is more meaningful than the content you're completing in Odyssey? Because some games will give you a bunch of like bloat that's not really fun to do, but it's just there for content. But do you think Valhalla is more enjoyable? I think everything's fun to do. Mm. Odyssey, everything was fun to do, in my opinion. The combat I don't like as much, but that's fine. You know, I'm getting better at the parrying and stuff. I just have to remember to do it because I'm just so used to just hit yeah. the trigger. <laughs> so the two, I guess the two main things that we can talk about without doing any spoilers what's going on and kind of give a people an idea if they want to play this game, if they liked Odyssey, or if they want to play it if they didn't like Odyssey or whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. The two main differences, I think, besides the setting and all that, which is obvious, are... The combat, which you kind of brought up, where Odyssey is more kind of fast-paced, I guess, and Valhalla seems more almost Dark Souls light, where you block, or you step to the side, stab, wait for him to attack kind of deal. Especially if you're on a higher difficulty. Well, there is, there is parrying, and when you parry, you can stun them. And if you stun them, you can do a stun attack, hmm. which does a lot of damage. But you can also, like, at some point, if you knock them down on the ground, you can stomp on them. Which is always fun. And I'm unlocking new abilities uh, and new moves with the skill tree. Yeah. You know? So that's that's fun. What do you think about the skill tree? Because Valhalla's skill tree is like a literal tree almost. It looks like tons of like the different skills are little leaves maybe, on this big maybe tree. It's supposed to be like Idrisil. Perhaps. I the mean the world tree. Is is it complicated? Do you find yourself overwhelmed by this upgrade tree? Not really. I don't really look at a lot. I just look at the big main ones. Yeah, so like if you... There's like a branch that'll go off into like this thing of clouds. And I'm like, oh, I want to see what's over there. So I click on the one that like leads to over where the clouds are. And then it'll open it up and it'll be like, oh, you could use the predator bow. And I'm like, I don't care about the predator bow. And then I go in different directions. Yeah. So like each branch has a main skill. Like, oh, you can... Uh, guide your arrows or something like yeah. that and then there's tons of little well little... there's like the little ones are like health yeah like plus two health or, or stamina, something maybe like maybe not stamina so you're not really paying attention to those tiny ones you're just trying to make your way to these uh, bigger abilities yeah and and you can always like redo it yeah you can reset the whole tree as many times as you want for free you can even set up like reset the little tiny like, individual ones. Yeah, you can, yeah. You, it's like, oh, I, I don't want this. I'll go back a couple spaces and I'll go this way. Yeah, so there's some versatility there. And secondly, the I think maybe the biggest change from Odyssey is the way you explore the world. Side activities that are not main quests or either wealth, well, mysteries. mysteries, artifacts. Yeah, so you got, like, yellow dots, blue dots, white dots. And you don't really know what they are. They could be chests they could so, be... So the wealth could be, like, ingots of, like, yeah, upgrade, a metal. Upgrade materials, armor, weapons, things like that. Yeah. The mysteries could be side quests. Not not really side quests. They're more like... World events? 
like errands. Yeah, errands. They're, they're they're kind of world events, but they're they're more like errands. I would say. And e- and but there's also like you can there's these errands that you'll have to do, which are the most common ones are mm. the errands. Then there's like this glitch in the animus thing where you're seeing, I think maybe it's the Isu and like the fall of their civilization. Yeah. So you see that, and you have to like you become the person out of the animus, and you have to go like climb on this weird glitchy thing. Yeah. I think that's about it that I've seen. Yeah. And I think the idea here behind this mechanic is that you're going to go to a dot not knowing what you're going to do. So yeah. there's a little more surprise by what's going on. Also with the mysteries, there's like there could be like a big dude that you have to fight yeah, like a, a, or like a, a, a legendary animal, mm. something along those lines. And then the artifacts are like, you know, like treasure map or something. Yeah. So do you find this system better than odyssey kind of not knowing what you're stumbling across just knowing something's over there it's it's fine yeah i mean it's interesting you you, you walk up to it and you're like oh what what's this new symbol you know it's interesting though because i i don't really care about having a challenge <laughs> so i pick the easiest difficulty Usually with the easiest difficulty, it'll let you know what you're going into oh. beforehand, but this one doesn't, and I think that's nice. Yeah. The The coolest thing about, one of the coolest things about Valhalla for me was when you start a new game, mm-hmm. there's like several different things you can set difficulties for. Yeah. So you have like four or five from like easy to super hard a range of difficulties, yeah. and then you could be like, do you want your combat to be easy, medium, hard? Do you want your exploration to be easy, medium, hard? And do you want your stealth? And you can choose hard for one, easy for the other two, easy for all three, hard for all three, whatever you want. So I like that customization in difficulty. I chose easy for everything. Yeah, I would too. I'm just, I'm all about the story and uh, exploring these worlds. So I don't really want much of a challenge in any of those things. Yeah, and, and like, honestly, the game is so beautiful. I just like looking around. I... Every time I see the little glitchy thing, though, I kind of forget that it's there because I've only encountered it twice. Mm-hmm. And you like you see something glitching, yeah. and you're like, "Oh no, what's what's yeah, wrong with the game? Play, yeah. What's wrong with?" The-? And you go over there, and it's like the whole that like that whole area is glitching, and mm-hmm. you see like this weird like hole. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I guess I'll see what this is. Well, two things. Uh, you mentioned it's beautiful. It is very pretty to look at because uh, you played on the PS4 to begin with and then you've played on PS5 now. Mm-hmm. PS5 with the HDR and the 4K and the 60 frames per second, it is beautiful to look at this game. To the glitchiness, I think this game has a lot of bugs. It, it has some bugs. Uh, it's never crashed on me though. Yeah, no game breaking stuff. And now with the PlayStation 4, uh, PlayStation 5 versus the PlayStation 4, there's definitely less loading time which is good and bad because i like reading the little tips and tidbits yeah on the loading screen and i can't do that that as well it probably took what would have been minutes worth of loading i think on ps4 down to like 10 seconds but that's when you can take like a little drink you eat a little snack and you're good. I don't. I think. I think going forward with this generation of consoles, especially with PS5 with the controller and all that, it, it's more about immersing you more in the world. And I guess since you don't have a time to take a break from the game, you're more immersed, mm-hmm. right? So, last question about this before we move on. You loved Odyssey, right? Yes. As someone who loved Odyssey, would you recommend this game to someone who loved Odyssey? 
I think so. It's it's different. It's different because like I I tried to play Origins a little bit after Odyssey, and it I couldn't. Mm. Maybe it's like a little bit of like the the combat, a little bit of the ways. There's not as many like customization options in Origins as there is in Odyssey. But Valhalla has all of those customization options. And the combat is different, but that's fine. The main thing for me is that, that like I know Greek mythology a lot. And that's why I really liked Odyssey and going around that area. And I know Norse mythology a little bit. And like Egyptian mythology, I know like the teeniest amount. So I think I think going from from Odyssey to Valhalla is fine. You know, that's it's mm. great. I'm pretty sure Valhalla takes place after Odyssey. I think it takes place a thousand years after Odyssey. Yeah. So So that's fine. You know, I, I'm glad they weren't, like, still trying to go back. I can just imagine them trying to do, like, what Far Cry did with Far Cry Primal. Primal. Yeah. It's like, Assassin's Creed Primal. It's like, I, nobody cares. Yeah, I don't know how far back you can go than ancient Greece. Yeah. So, and would you recommend it to someone who doesn't like Odyssey? I mean, you know, just try it out. If you have a friend that has it, maybe... See, watch them play watch people on youtube play you know i think uh i think jack patillo he's doing a, mm. a playthrough where he he live streams it and then puts it up on his channel uh so check check it out you know see if you like how the gameplay looks how the game looks yeah and decide for yourself okay and now on to what i've been doing mm-hmm. i've been playing a lot of destiny 2 beyond light which is the new expansion that just came out. I really enjoy it. I think it might be the best story content Destiny's ever had. You can con- you can actually understand what's going on in the story without having to read lore posts on Bungie's website. So that's cool. The villain has a understandable reason for what they're doing. You know, she wants to, like, save her race of people, but she's, like, going about it the wrong way. You can understand where she's coming from the first time that's ever happened, I think, in Destiny. They have a new super class. I think if you've played Destiny and you liked it and you haven't uh, played it recently, you should jump back in on this. And if you're interested in it and haven't tried it, I think now's the best time ever to jump into the game. And it's fun to play. So that's my spill on that. I've also been playing... I feel like the people who would jump into destiny it's like i feel like they're like there's too much that i've missed out on to just jump in to destiny 2 if you they've never picked up a destiny game before well i think what bungie does well is that you can play destiny for free it's a free-to-play game now and yeah if you've never played it you can download the free-to-play version and it's called destiny 2 new light and you start your story, and they have, like, a new main campaign that fast-tracks you to where this the newest DLC starts. So you know all the big moments that matter. You get caught up pretty quickly. I think you probably spend six, eight hours getting caught up if you never play the That's game. That's interesting. I, like, because I feel like that was what would hold me back from starting a game mm. like that is, like, well, there's just too much at this point i'm so far behind there's no point 
Yeah, I feel like I don't play a lot of these types of games like hardcore, so I'm not knowledgeable enough about them. But I feel like World of Warcraft is the only other one I've played a lot of. And I feel like World of Warcraft, if you start a new character, it's like nothing that you haven't played matters, right? Mm -hmm. it, you start and the only thing that matters is what's new. So you don't really, it doesn't care what happened before. So you don't, you know, experience what the other people have experienced really, right? Sure. I feel like Destiny does a better job of giving you like the main points and getting you up. So you kind of understand what's going on around you more. So, if you haven't checked it out, it's free to play. You should check that out. And I've been playing some Bloodborne as well. I've been streaming it a little. I'm on Blood Starved Beast, which is the third boss. Um, I lost to it like four times. I used up all my resources. So what I'm working on right now is grinding souls to go back and buy all my resources again so I can go back to the boss and try to beat it. I think you should watch um, Viva La Dirt League's uh, Dark Souls oh, yeah. videos. They are hilarious. Yeah, they, I mean, they just had one where it was like, oh, if you're a new player to Bloodborne and or uh, Dark Souls and you're like cocky mm -hmm. about it, you're like, oh, I, could, I don't need these tutorials. And you go up to your first enemy and just get slaughtered. Yeah. I feel like I'm playing Bloodborne now because it's in the PS Plus collection, which you get for free if you buy a PS5 and you have PS Plus, which you probably do at this point. So it was available to me. And secondly, because Demon's Souls just came out, the remake of Demon's Souls, and it's a PS5 exclusive. And I'm like, man, that looks very interesting. You know, uh, I like those games, like the aesthetic of them. I'm just not good at them. So I was like, I don't want to play Demon's Souls because I don't want to spend $80 to buy it. So I'll just play Bloodborne because it's available to me. My sister's pretty good at those games. Yeah, I just... I don't know how. <laughs> I don't like, I don't have the patience, I feel like, to beat them. But I like the, like, gothic aesthetic of them. The only thing I have to say about Bloodborne is it's still gorgeous, like, five, seven years later, how old it is. But there's no PS5 version for it, so it's still running like it did on PS4. I wish they would update it for that, but I don't think they're going to. No, probably not. But it's available if you have the PlayStation Plus collection. So that's what I've been doing. We haven't been doing much outside of watching movies in preparation for this episode and the episodes coming because we're doing... And of course, TV shows every once in a while. We watch some Forge and Fire, Mass Singer, yeah. which if you if you haven't watched Forge and Fire, it is addictive. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's addictive. Yeah. But uh, we have... This episode is the Disney Animated Part 1, mm -hmm. up to the Renaissance. Next episode is Disney Animated Part 2, Renaissance to Today. Then the next two episodes... No, there's one episode between these and the Christmas episodes, which we haven't thought about what we're going to do yet. But we are preparing for the Christmas episodes as well. That's what we've been doing together. We've been watching a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. Lastly, some the last thing we've watched together that's newsworthy is Mandalorian Season 2. We didn't give our thoughts on Episode 3 when it came out because we didn't watch it when we recorded that episode. We've watched it since then. Yes. So we've watched Episode 3 and 4 now. And let's give our non-spoiler review of these episodes because we're going to do an entire episode on season two when it ends. Mm -hmm. So episode three. Kind of boring. Kind of boring? Kind of boring. I thought it was entertaining, but I thought it was entertaining because of the cameos that are there. It was exciting to see those people that I've seen in other things show up finally. It's just like, nothing really happened. I think that is the through line for these first four episodes. Nothing. The the end of episode four 
it is finally being like, oh, there's a story. Remember the story that happened last season? We're picking back up with it now. Well, I feel like, I feel like, so like episode three, some like stuff happens and they're like, we can't do this. We got to go to someplace else. And then they're like, all right, episode four. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we're on our way to get to see this person at the end of episode three. Yeah. And then episode four begins and they're like, oh, ship, we can't make it there. Gotta land somewhere. And then episode four is like some side story. And then at the episode four, you get like a little couple minutes of something that is actually story related. Mm-hmm. So maybe five, I think there's eight episodes again. So five, six, seven, and eight. Maybe the back half of season two is going to matter. But I don't know if you skip from season one and just skip to season four, ep- season two, episode four. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've missed anything, honestly. I feel like they were just like, let's just throw in some cameos. You know? It's like, you know what we need? Cameos. You remember season, you need, remember season one? Cameos. Which is fine. I enjoy seeing characters yeah. re-brought up. And, but I, there was some stuff that was like, this is going to happen. And then it immediately happened. <laughs> and he started laughing. I think the biggest problem for me right now is that they've announced that certain people are going to be in this season. Certain people that I care about much more than anyone else in this show. Yeah, you're like, just let me see this person. Just let me see this person. I'm ready to see this person. And I'm like, just they're not going to show it to you until like the end of season yeah, and two. Yeah, it's, it's going to be upsetting. That I mean, that's what I want to see. Though I guess that's just my expectations because it's the Mandalorian show and you I, should care I, about him and his characters. I feel like Mandalor- the Mandalorian is just like, we got Baby Yoda, hijinks ensue. That's it. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. There was, there was a decent amount of that in episode four. So probably in about a month or so when this show wraps up season two, we'll give you our uh, season breakdown episode. I, I don't... It, spoiler free, probably. We'll see. If you like listening to podcasts about things in nerd culture, you might enjoy listening to audiobooks that can transport you away on grand adventures to exciting worlds. All while you go about your daily tasks like driving, cooking, and cleaning. Audible is the perfect place for you to find epic tales. And right now, all listeners can get a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash nerdsatodds. I'm currently listening to Dune by Frank Herbert in preparation for the movie that comes out later this year. And it has really helped me fight the boredom induced by this pandemic. Audible has thousands of audiobooks available, and the best part is that with your free 30-day trial, you can download and listen to them all for free. So go to audible.com slash to get listening today. So into the topic of today's show, which is Disney Animated Movie Review Part 1. We're going to do the Golden Age through the Bronze Age. Now I'm going to go through all these movies. Alex likes to rate things. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that. I just, you know, I like it or I don't. Mm-hmm. He has written on the Nerds at Odds scale that is not patented. The patented Nerds at Odds rating scale. Not patented. And he put what he ranks them... Out of this section. Out of this section. So there's 19 total films. So they're going to be rated one as the best, 19 as the worst. And then I'll give you all patented Nerds at Odds rating scale rating. Not patented. And before we hop into these, you want to explain to the listeners how we chose the movies we chose. So we decided... To do the movies that were specifically done by the studio Disney Animated Studios. Studios. And we decided those. We decided not to do the Winnie the Pooh ones mm-hmm. because 
I think it was a TV show first before it was movie. Perhaps. And they're also very child. They're they're oriented. They're they, well, I mean these are Disney movies. They're all child oriented. But I, we just didn't think we would enjoy them as much, I think. Perhaps. And we also had they had to be theatrically released. Yes. No sequels. They couldn't be solely musicals, so like Fantasia and stuff don't count. Yes. And I think that's I think that was our categories. No Winnie the Pooh, no sequels, theatrically released. Disney yes. Animated Studios had to make them. Yes. Right? Yes. So so there were some movies that I remembered fondly, but they weren't technically made by Disney Animated Studios. Mm. And some stuff that Disney has acquired recently has added new movies to their repertoire, technically, but those don't count. Yes. So let's get on into it. So the Golden Age. Okay. Golden Age. We'll start with Snow White in 1937. Snow White. I'm going to give a boring two. Mm-hmm. And it is 16th place out of 19 on this list. Snow White. The only thing that saves it from being bad, in my opinion, is its historical context as the first animated film ever. Animated feature length film. Yeah. Yeah, and it's technically impressive if you think back to this being released, what, 83 years ago? Yes. So that gives it a little something, but nothing happens in this movie, and I think that's something that is a through line through a bunch of these older Disney films, is that it's just a series of events that happen to these characters without much in the way of a through line. Well, so the Golden Age is sort of like things happen and people don't really do anything yeah um silver age is a little bit better like you get character development for people stuff like that bronze age disney tried their hardest (laughs) so we'll see when we get there how i feel about those but yeah snow white uh historically significant a boring film and I think the key here with any of these movies that we say don't have much in the way of a through line is try to explain the story of Snow White and what actually happens, you know? Yeah. And, I, then, and then explain how that happens for 90 minutes. Well, I, I don't know. It's I like Snow White. I do. Um, I feel bad. Uh, for the actress? For the actress. Mm. We'll talk about that later. I think that should be... An interesting fact. Yeah. Okay. Considering not your interesting facts that you have listed don't have anything to do with the movies that we talked about. Yeah. Next film. <laughs> Next film, uh, we've got Pinocchio from 1940. I think Pinocchio is mediocre. Uh, a little below average on the Nose at Oz rating scale. It goes excellent, entertaining, average, mediocre, boring, bad. I feel like Pinocchio is mediocre i feel like it is a more entertaining than snow white and what happens to the character Mm -hmm. Uh, i feel like there's a little more character development or just character in general in pinocchio okay with him and jiminy cricket geppetto yeah geppetto what's the cat's name oh i don't know the cat's name but i love the cat but i feel like Pinocchio as a movie is still a little more meandering than I would like. Figaro? Yes, Figaro is the cat's name. But I feel like Pinocchio is just another series of events that happen to this character and not much 
gets done by the end of the movie. There is character development, though. The, I, the problem with, like, all of these Disney movies is that they're all based on something else. Mm. You know? I think uh, at least most of them are based on something else. I'm assuming all of these are based on a book. Book, story, Yeah, short something. story, something like that, yeah. But I think Pinocchio is also meandering, though I think the events that happen to him are more entertaining than the ones that happen to Snow White, and there's more character development in Pinocchio, giving it a mediocre, and it is 10th place okay. out of 19. Okay. So we've got uh, Dumbo. Dumbo. 1941. Not counting credits, Dumbo is less than an hour long. I don't know if you can count it as a feature film, technically, but it's on here. I think it's the worst for, like, political correctness and stuff, too. Yeah, d- d- Dumbo, some of these films... It's gotta be the most racist one. Yeah, some of these films in the gold and silver and bronze age are problematic with their portrayals of characters and stereotypes. Yes. But I don't know if the vast majority of them are blatantly racist. Dumbo is blatantly racist. Yeah. There's, there's not like a poor, it's not like a poor joke or bad stereotype. There's like a whole song. Yeah, it is blatantly racist. And it is boring. Dumbo is a boring film. There's a scene in Dumbo with the train at the beginning that just lasts five minutes. And it's just a train driving. And it, Not to mention the pink elephants on parade. Yeah, they drink the absinthe or whatever it is. I think it's absinthe. And it's just, it's a useless movie. Nothing happens in this film. It is bad. It is a bad movie. It's not just boring. It is bad. And it is 18th out of 19th. Dumbo is such a cute character. And it's so unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like the idea of doing a live action Disney movie episode. Mm-hmm. And I've heard bad things about the Dumbo live-action movie. Yeah. There's no way it can be worse than I this. I think people remember Dumbo way more fondly than, like, they need to rewatch it and yeah. be like, oh, this is really boring and also problematic. Yeah. And also, I just want to point this out that I don't remember... I'll bring up when I remember watching a movie as a kid. Yes. So far, I don't remember seeing these movies as a kid, these three we've talked about so far. So I have no nostalgia for these. These are adult Alex looking at these as films, and Dumbo is trash. So next movie. Next. The last movie of the Golden Age. Yeah. We have Bambi from 1942. Now, I remember liking Bambi, but when I watched it, I didn't like remember much about it. You know, I remember the characters, but I don't remember what happens in the movie uh, other than, like, the obvious thing with his mom. Yes. But Bambi watching it now as an adult through a critical lens. Bambi is also boring. They're cute animals, but nothing really happens. It's just a couple things happen to Bambi. There's not really much of a through... There's not much of a story here. There's no character development. Yeah. Bambi, too, if... Like, if you ever watch that, that's where the character development comes in, and it's made, like, decades after. Yeah. And it's, like, him growing up with his father after his mom dies. Mm. And, because, because you get, you get in Bambi, you get him with his mom, and then his mom dies, and his dad is like, come with me, son. And then they go away, and then we come back, and he's, like, an adult deer. Yeah, so. Basically. I just think that it's just a bunch of 
as a series of unfortunate events or events, just events that happen to these characters in these movies. And none of them make matter to the movie, you know? Mm. The story would be the same with or without most of these events. Who's your favorite character in Bambi? In Bambi? Yes. Thumper. Flower's my favorite. Yeah, but they're just, they're cute characters, but they don't matter. Well, you know, I think it's, I think it's a fine movie. I think it's, I enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I gave Bambi a boring, and uh, it's 14th out of all these films. Okay. And now for some error uh, trophies. Don't actually drum the table, Yeah, I was going to drum the cha- table, but uh, I thought against that. You can, you can find a sound of a drum roll. Now for some error trophies. Okay, okay. Which movie was the worst of the era? I think we all know which yeah, one you're going to There's only say. four here. Uh, Dumbo is the worst of this era by a mile. Okay. And which is the best? Pinocchio, I think, is the best of this era by a little bit. Dumbo. No, Pinocchio. Yeah. Pinocchio is the best. How do you feel so far? We finished this era. What do you think of my opinion so far? Snow White deserves a little bit more props, honestly. Historically, though? Historically, like, honestly, like, it, it can be a little boring, but it's still, like, a great m- film. Like, it's iconic. It's oh, iconic. It's The it, Witch. I, it is what? It is a little dumb that the, the evil queen just kind of dies of her own volition, <laughs> like, falls off a cliff, and the vultures, like, look at each other, and they're like... Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I could maybe see a mediocre, but I think giving it that level of historical props is is not right. I also feel do. like a big problem is that we watch these kind of at nighttime, mm. and you get very sleepy. You'll fall asleep during like action sequences. I fell asleep during the end of Aquaman. You fell asleep during the like action sequence of Pinocchio. I don't know if there's an action sequence. In there Pinocchio. is an action sequence. No, things happen. I don't know asleep. if I call it action. Oh, though. whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the golden age. What's the next one? Okay, next we have the silver age. Mm. So we've got Cinderella starting it off. Uh-huh. Uh, 1950. So surprisingly to me, Cinderella was really good. I, I, gave, Cinder- Cinderella. I gave Cinderella an entertaining. I think the... The part where the mice are messing with the cat. Yeah. It feels very Tom and Jerry to me. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy that like slapstick humor type in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the love story uh, weighs the movie down. There's not a lot of that romantic lovey-dovey stuff that I thought was going to weigh Cinderella down a lot. And I like the slapstick humor. And the songs are good. Uh, this is the first song I remember from any of these movies. I don't remember any of the songs from the Golden Age, but Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, good song. Yeah, good. Uh, I honestly th- think that the the parts with the mice are kind of boring to me, because mm. it's like nothing's really happening, especially when they go through all that trouble to make the dress and then it just gets destroyed yeah. anyway. It's like it doesn't matter. Yeah, but at least there's a story. You understand what's happening in Cinderella. Things aren't happening just to happen. There is a story that gets progressed. Yes. In this movie. Yes. So it's number five out of 19. Entertaining. That's good. That's good. Mm. All right. Next, Alice in Wonderland, 1951. 
I wanted to like Alice in Wonderland. I really did. I liked the Johnny Depp movie, at least the first one. I like the characters that seem wacky. I like the idea of Alice in Wonderland, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Alice in Wonderland, the movie, is so boring. I don't know if it's bad, because the visuals are impressive. Yeah. But it is boring. I don't know what's happening, why it's happening. Alice takes so long to get somewhere. She's going to the Queen of Hearts place and just... No, that's not her. what she is trying to get to. What's she trying to do? She's trying to follow the White Rabbit. Yeah, she follows the White Rabbit and stuff happens. And and then she's trying to go back home. That's not really a story, you know? That's just stuff happening. The whole movie is stuff happening to happen. And it's boring. Yeah, there are some great live-action versions hmm. of Alice in Wonderland that I wish I could show you, but they're, like, nowhere. Yeah. There's one with Whoopi Goldberg hmm. as the Cheshire Cat. Okay, interesting. And I think uh, Gene Wilder's in it. He plays a turtle. Ah, oh. It comes is it, up. Is it animated? It's not animated, no. Gene Wilder is a turtle? They have, like, Whoopi Goldberg is dressed in, like, oh. as a cat. This, sounds, no. this is getting worse, I think. Well, it, like, her face is on a cat, mm. and Gene Wilder is in a turtle suit. Okay. And it's really fun. But Well, I gave Alice in Land a boing, and it is 17th out of these 19 films. That's fair. Okay. Peter Pan, 1953. Peter Pan, I like the story of Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. The idea is cool. The movie we watched with Robin Williams was really good. That's Hook. Yeah, but it's Peter Pan. Yeah, but you have to watch Peter Pan to know. I suppose. Yeah, but the movie Peter Pan, you have to know who all the people are to understand the movie to begin with. If you watch Peter Pan and you don't know anything about the story of Peter Pan... You don't know what's going on. I feel like you need background information before watching Peter Pan to understand the lore. Also, it is blatantly racist, Peter Very Pan racist. is. Very Not racist. even like a poorly done stereotype. Peter Pan, blatantly racist uh, movie. I gave it a mediocre because it's still a fun watch, though stuff happens to happen, like yes. many of these movies, and the blatant racism does hurt it. And I feel like it's confusing if you don't understand who Peter Pan is. There's this good version of Peter Pan. It's a live-action version. I love all these live -action. Yeah, the one with Hugh Jackman. No. Oh, no, that's <laughs> awful. And that that's just called Pan. Yeah. Um, not that one. It I think it's called Peter Pan. And it's got the guy who plays Draco... No, no, uh, Lucius Malfoy. He mm. plays the dad. Interesting. And he plays Hook. Okay. So it's interesting. It's like, you could think that Wendy's just asleep through the whole thing and she sees her father as Captain Hook mm. sort of situation. But it's a really good, I think, rendition of it. Um, one of my favorites. And we'll have to watch that at some time if we could ever find it. And I think it's better than the the animated version. Yeah. Well, I gave Peter Pan a mediocre, like I said, and it's 11th out of 19. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Lady and the Tramp, 1955. Lady and the Tramp was very, very good. I oh, gave it an entertaining. Lady and the Tramp does have some problematic scenes. Yes. But I think they're just stereotypes that were done in poor tastes. And I don't think they're blatantly racist like the scenes in Peter Pan or Dumbo are. They're just slightly problematic. And since it got released in 55... 
you know, it's a seventy-five-year-old film, sixty-five-year-old film. I mean, you can't you can't be like racism's ever okay, but with its with when it was made, yeah, that's just how people thought back then. It's a shame. It's not fair, but that's just how people thought back then. I guess I'm judging this based on if I would show these films to my kid, right? Yeah. I wouldn't show Peter Pan or Dumbo to our child as a for them to watch until they're old enough for me to explain to them what's going like, on. Like, this is not okay, don't sing yeah. this song, or like, this is not okay, Pe people aren't like this. Yeah, I, I don't, I think Lady and the Tramp is still fine for your kid to watch without you having to give them a talk beforehand. And it's a very fun movie. It's very enjoyable. Yes. I gave it an entertaining. It is number two out of these 19 for me. Yes. Uh, we've got Sleeping Beauty, 1959. Sleeping Beauty was average. I gave it an average. Mm -hmm. I felt like it's just something's happened to happen... I didn't like the ending that much. It was just average. I don't have much to say on it. It was whatever. I like Sleeping Beauty. I, I love the songs in Sleeping Beauty. Some of my favorites. I, I will admit there is... Like, the hijinks with the fairies is a little mm. bit much uh, at times. Especially, like, the changing from pink to blue to pink to blue. I think they just wanted to... Sh uh, sell figurines with both dresses <laughs> yeah maybe but i still i really like the movie i i i love disney movies yeah but uh, i gave it it's sixth out of these 19 films for me so i mean it's above average out of these 19 films yes um but i'll give it a rating of an average that's fair 101 dalmatians 1961 101 dalmatians i also gave an average too because it is a bit meandering and I remember liking it as a kid, but I think I'm remembering the live-action movie. The live-action movie's really good. Because that came out when we were kids. I remember... Is it the first one or the second one where they bake her into a cake? I don't remember. I'll never remember. But I just I feel like there's not a lot of Coella DeVille in this movie, honestly. I mean, she's in the movie. You see more of her amount. henchmen, I think, than you see of her... That's true. And she's the best part of this movie. She doesn't do anything, like, blatantly, like, evil, I guess. Yeah. Maybe a little bit, but you never see her, like, getting her hands dirty, really. Yeah, she's the best part of this movie, I feel. I like her character. She is a great villain. Uh, design, at least. The, the worst part of this movie is, like, the Night Howl or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, the Night Howl lasts forever. And, and you're just like, okay, just get there... Just get there. Yeah, just get this over with. Why do we need 10 minutes of this night how? But it's it's a bit meandering, uh, and I wish there was more Cruella de Vil in it. I gave it an average. It's 8 out of these 19. I really like the part where um, the male dog, I can't remember his name right now, is like talking about his pet, which is the human, yeah. and he's like, I just need to find him a, a woman. I, I do feel like it's a little bit... When he's describing the the, the women, women and in the stuff, doll, yeah. it's a little upsetting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like, oh well, why couldn't he go with the 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 slightly pudgier woman? Mm. Seems fine to me. I mean, like the dog being like really short, yeah. it wouldn't work with the Dalmatian. But still, unfortunate. Next uh, up, 
Next we have The Sword in the Stone from 1963. What can I say about The Sword in the Stone? Disney's most ambitious, impressive. But this is the worst movie out of all 19 of these. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's bad. It's bad, 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 bad. I have? 19th out of 19th, bad. I remember the beginning fondly as a child. But then it just, it just, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I don't know why things are happening the way they are. And then, and then you think, well, he's going to become King Arthur at some point. And he kind of does at the end and then the movie ends. Yeah, the, the movie that should have happened is the movie that happens after this movie. Uh, there might be a Sword in the Stone too, and it's probably trash. I don't think there is. But, but the, the interesting movie is the one that happens after this movie ends. This movie is awful. Awful. We also watched Quest for Camelot recently, which is not a Disney movie. No. Would you say it gave you a little bit more of what you were looking for for a King Arthur thing? Quest for Camelot is better than this movie. Well, yeah. The thing, most things I didn't like Quest for Camelot movie. that much. I would have I think Quest for Camelot is like a mediocre, though. I wouldn't say boring or bad. The thing I liked about Quest for Camelot the most is that they had this vision about these like robotic people, right? Yeah. And they went for it, and I can appreciate that idea. Um, I don't know if they do the story that much justice. But mediocre, maybe even average, thinking back on it. I don't think it was entertaining. I think it's meandering a bit, like a lot of these older films are. Mm -hmm. But it is better than Sword in the Stone. Sword in the Stone is one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's horrible. Well, clearly you've never seen Pirate Kids. Next, we have Jungle Book, 1967. Jungle Book is was upsetting for me. Because I like Blue... And I liked the live-action movie that came out. Yes. Uh, I saw it probably around the time it came out. It's been a little while. But I can tell you I liked it more than this movie. The animated Jungle Book movie is not great. It's boring. Nothing happens. I liked Bare Necessities. That is a great song. Yes. Goes I, on for way I too hated long. it by the end of the movie. They, they played Bare Necessities like they were... Billy Ray Cyrus in the 80s when A.P. Breaky Heart just came out. They play it as the opener. They play a melody in the middle. And they close the show with Bare Necessities. They play Bare Necessities way too much. Yeah. It's a great song. I loved it. It sucks that they played it so much that I hate it now. Well, here's another thing. I just hate Mowgli. Yeah, Mowgli learns nothing this whole movie. He doesn't learn anything. If he if he would develop some as a character, this movie wouldn't have any as much conflict as it does. Yes. Uh, it's just like it's just like I'm not scared of you. Clearly scared of him, and then goes after Shere Khan again. Yeah. It's just it's just I don't understand. Yes, yeah, meandering. There's no character development. They ruin the good parts I remembered from the movie by doing them way too many times. Also, I took a British literature class mm. in college, and we read the actual Jungle Book that uh, I think it's Kipling wrote. Oh, no. I think it's Kipling. My British literature professor hates the Jungle Book animated movie. Hates it. And after reading the book, I can see why. Mm. It is nothing like the book. Even... The live-action ones that they've done, they're not equal 
to the book. The book is great. Kind of racist. It's a product of its time. Mm. But, like, comparatively, the movies just kind of flop. Yeah. If you really like the book. Mm. So, the best of this era is Lady and the Tramp by a significant margin. Next up would be Cinderella, but I think Lady and the Tramp is much better than Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Worst of this era is Sword in the Stone. By a lot. Yes. By a lot. Anything you have to say on this Silver Age that you didn't agree with me with? I don't know. I think this seems fine. Seems fine? Okay. So let's get on into the Bronze Age. Bronze Age. What people say is Disney's worst age. Some some say. I'm going to throw that out there. Uh, the Bronze Age is the best of these three ages. Some people really... So, like... It's just that these movies didn't do as well. Yeah. I think the Bronze Age is noticeable because the animation seems like they didn't take as much time to do it. Because you can see the pencil lines when they're doing the animation. Yes. And uh, I don't appreciate that. But we'll talk about when we get into these movies. So the first film of the Bronze Age. First film of the Bronze Age. Aristocats. One I, of my favorites. I like Aristocats a lot. It does have a lot of sloppy animation. Where and you see the and pan- some meandering. Yeah, it's kind of, there's a little bit of meandering. There's some sloppy animation. There are some stereotype cats. It, we almost made it through yeah, without yeah. some stereotypes. There, there is a five-second scene where this cat who's supposed to be Chinese does some racist interpretations of a Chinese person. Yes. And they could have cut that out of the movie entirely and made it fine. So there's not much there, especially when you look at, like, Peter Pan or Dumbo. Aristocats is Lady and the Tramp, but with cats, pretty much. Kind of. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a little worse than Lady and the Tramp, but I think Aristocats is still entertaining. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the third best of these 19 movies. That's fair. Okay. Robin Hood, 1973. This is the movie I look forward to the most out of all these movies uh, from Gold, Silver, Bronze Age. Because I remember loving it as a child. And Robin Hood is a boring movie. It is so meandering. Nothing happens in this film for long stretches of time. The songs are the best part of this movie. Yes. By a mile. Yes. But nothing happens in this movie for long stretches of time. And when stuff does happen, I'm bored to sleep by the last 30 minutes I watched. So I can barely care about these action scenes. Robin Hood is boring. It is the 13th best movie out of these 19. It's it's a very slow movie. I remember it fondly. But it it does definitely take some hits mm. re-watching it when, when you're not a child. But I feel like that's just Robin Hood in general. I have a question. Have you seen the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movies? Maybe. But well, it's uh, Prince of Thieves is the name of it. Maybe. Maybe. Because I haven't seen I've a, watched a lot of Robin I've Hood. I've never seen a good Robin Hood movie. The um, Russell Crowe one is bad. I, I watched that recently. The one they just released with Jamie Foxx is bad. I don't think I've seen it. And this movie, bad. Why can't they make a good Robin Hood movie? Have you watched Princess of Thieves? 
No, no, I haven't. Is that good? With Kiera Knightley. Is it good? I think it's good. You think it's good? So, I... so it. She's like the daughter mm. of Robin Hood and Maid Marian. Well, I mean, I just as long as it's interesting. I haven't seen a good Robin Hood movie yet, so we'll have to watch it. Yeah. It's a Disney movie, mm. but it's not on Disney Plus. Yeah. There's that hurts a. Me. There's a video game coming out, I think, 2021 called Hood or something like that. It's called The Hood or something. Yeah. Where it's an RPG where you play Robin Hood. And I'm interested to see if that's a good game or not, because I'd be interested to play as Robin Hood. It might be able to live out my Green Arrow fantasy. Oh, yes. So uh, what's next on this? Uh, Next we have The Rescuers from 1977. I feel like The Rescuers is an average film. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of meandering. Yes. I think the biggest part of the movie that hurts it for me is that I hate the villains. That woman and that dude. Medusa? I, yeah, I don't like the design. And what's the guy's name? Sorcerer's S. It does start with an S. Spud? Spoink? Sykes? Sykes? No, Sykes is from uh, Olive One Company. Yeah. Whatever his name is. I don't like the designs. I don't like the characters. There's some meandering. But it was average. I'm putting it 7th out of these 19. Rescuers 2, Rescuers Down Under. That one's pr- fairly good. Mm. I enjoyed that one uh, a bit. If the um, villains are better, I mean, it might earn it entertaining for me. I, so. I just love the the two mouse characters. I can't remember their Bianca name. and Bernard. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love their little love story. It's great. So next up. The movie I was dreading to watch the most. Yes. Fox and the Hound, 1981. And I was only dreading to watch it because I remember it being very sad. And yeah. I don't like sad movies. Uh, it's not as sad as I remember it being. It's still a little sad, but not as sad Rewatching it. I feel like Bambi, if you're connected to it more, is more mm-hmm. sad. The, yeah. the, the, the beginning is like, oh, no. Yeah. But that gets over pretty quickly. And you get introduced to the owl, the woodpecker, and the... Big Mama. Yeah, Big Mama. I don't remember the bird's names, though. The woodpecker and the other guy, the short guy. I don't remember their names, but Big Mama's the owl. Yeah, you get introduced to them, and the woodpecker and the other bird are hunting the caterpillar. Squeaky? Squeaks? Squeaks. Squeaks. I think his name is Squeaks. They're hunting him, and that just, like, alleviates that sadness from his mom dying. Yes. I remember being more sad... Uh, Todd and Copper at the end when they're kind of hating each other. I remember being more sad about that. But that didn't really affect me that much this time around. Though I don't know what the movie's saying. Because I think the movie is trying to say that you could be friends with someone who is not from your walk of life. Yeah. But Copper and Todd drift apart and at the end of the movie they're not friends with each other. So I feel like that clashes with what I feel the movie is saying. Yeah, I I don't know. I really love uh Vixie. Yeah, the the female fox. The female fox. I have to say the worst part of this movie I think is the songs. The songs are not there. That they're not really songs. Yeah, big part big, of the time. Yeah, uh it's not Big Mama, it's the widow. Who I don't know if she has a name. They just call her widow. Like that guy calls her widow. <laughs> I, I which like, seems like a mean thing to call someone. I think he calls her name at one point, but it, he comes over to her house and is like widow you yeah. listen here and it's uh, like um the excuse song, me the song she sings is just her talking yeah also I, I said i would i cried a little bit when she she let todd go yeah into the forest yeah yeah but i felt like by then i'm like todd this is your fault dude you're like 
you're the you're you're causing trouble and you're better off here. So I felt that way. I know it was sad for her, but I didn't care about her. I care about Todd. You know. Well, he really wasn't causing trouble towards the end there. Like he caused trouble at the beginning, mm. a little bit. But that, like, on his own farm. He wasn't going after the chickens. He was just trying to talk to Copper. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't causing issues. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, I feel like... I'm, I gave this movie an excellent. It is a well-crafted movie. Yes. Um, I really liked it. I felt like this is the only one on this list that is an excellent, that falls in the rule, that sometimes entertaining movies are better than excellent movies. Excellent movies can be like the Oscar winners that you're like, that's a well-crafted movie, but it's not the Thor Ragnarok that I'd watch like once a week, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't like it as much as some of the other movies. It's the fourth place movie on this list for me. Yes. But it is the best crafted movie out of these 19. That's fair. So. All right. Black Cauldron, 1985. Black Cauldron is interesting. Because I want to get the book series it is based off of now. Yes. But not because the movie's good. Not because the movie's good, but because... the Well, the first half of the movie, maybe exactly the first 45 minutes of this movie, I was like, yeah, dude, yeah, Black Cauldron, let's go to this movie, man. I liked the pig. I liked the bad guys menacing, you know? I like what's happening. And then the back half, the last 45 minutes, I'm like, oh, Black Cauldron, no. <laughs> no. How'd you lose your footing so it's like much? like the witches and like... Yeah. One of them's really big boob and wants to, to date that musician dude. Yeah, it's just... It becomes meandering when at first it was an interesting world with characters and feelings that I thought were interesting. The back half is like, why Why is this movie still going? Well, let's, it's over, man. It's been over 20 minutes. Yeah, let's wrap it up. The author's like... I mean, it gets people to talk about my movie, I, uh, book. my books, I guess. Read the books. Yeah, though. I think we should. I think we should buy the box set. They're like, uh, I don't know if young adults the right word. They're chapter books, but they're for like younger kids, like elementary school kids, I guess. Maybe. Check those out if you're interested in Black Cauldron, because I feel like the world is interesting. I don't know if the books are good, but if they flesh out the world more, I'd be into those. Mm-hmm. So Black Cauldron gets a mediocre. Because the first half is probably entertaining, back half is boring, average them together, mediocre. It's the twelfth film on this list for me. Okay. Next we have The Great Mouse Detective, 1986. Great Mouse Detective is... I think the worst part of The Great Mouse Detective that is that it's based on Sherlock Holmes. That's the worst part for the movie. Because when it lets you down, it lets you down harder because it's it has something that's so easy. Just like Sword in the Stone. It's like King Arthur. Just, you can nail it. It's there, you know? Yeah. The blueprint's there. Great Mouse Detective, while it's a better movie than Sword in the Stone by a mile. The groundwork is there. It just has to be a Sherlock Holmes movie, adapt, adapted um, with cute characters. The mouse, you know. With... And, and a lot less opium. Yeah. I feel like it's boring. It's meandering in parts. The worst part of the movie for me is Radigan because he is overacted. How, I don't understand how you can have an overacted animated character. I think he's supposed to be overacted. Well, I, I think he has to be because I don't understand how you can... Like, if an actor in a live-action movie is an overactor, 
there's not much you can do if every take you have of this guy is him being bad, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Animated, I feel like the the animated character goes through so many people's hands who have to be like, yeah, that's good. Keep going, you know? There's a more of a process there. And that must have been their intention for him to act this way. And I'm put off by him. I'm like, you're an, it's, he's an over-actor. Well, I feel like half the movie, over half the movie, you were like, isn't that the same guy from American Tale? I was, and I wish he was, because that guy's an interesting villain. But, like, literally, I'm not joking, guys. Like, the whole movie, he was like, that's the same guy. The name's the same. No, no. He looks exactly I didn't the think, same. I didn't think it was the same character. I thought it was the, I thought they had the same names and looked like each other. They don't look anything like each other. And they, it's not the same name at all. Radigan is from The Great Mouse yeah. Detective. William T. Rat is from American Tale. What I'm saying is watch American Tale. I gave Great Mouse Detective a mediocre. I was bored out of my mind. Uh, also, it, I didn't realize there are, like, four American Tale movies. I only knew there yeah. were two. So, I'm going to have to watch those. But, yeah, it's, Great Mouse Detective, I don't remember watching it mm -hmm. beforehand. I, it was okay. I gave it a mediocre. It's ninth on my list. Now, the last film out of Gold, Silver, and Bronze Age for this episode is... Oliver and Company, 1988. This is the movie I, I remember watching the most out of all of these. And I didn't know I had seen it before. As soon as it started and that dog steals the hot dogs at the beginning, I'm like, wait a second. I've, I've seen this movie tons of times. Yeah, it, I don't know why we waited so long to watch it. You were like, oh, I don't want to watch that. Some weird cat movie. Yeah. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. I remember tons of scenes from Oliver and Company, yeah. right? I don't remember this cat being in this movie. I remember the cool dog that's played by Billy Joel, who I thought sang the theme song at the beginning, but the theme song sung by Huey Lewis in the news. But Billy Joel um, voices the dog, yes. the main dog. And I remember him, and I remember the bad guy and the uh, good guy. Yes. And that's what I remember. And the poodle, I remember her. Yes. So I remember a lot of elements from this movie. I just don't remember seeing it until I saw it again. I was like, oh, I've seen this tons of times. So, perhaps my nostalgia played a factor in for me, mm -hmm. but I thought this was the most entertaining film. Yeah. It had some great songs. Yes. Great characters. Yeah, great characters, a lot of good development, and I I think this is an excellent movie. Maybe without nostalgia, it's entertaining, but either way, I'd put this as number one out of these 19 films. Yeah. It, it was... It's such a good movie. I love Oliver and Company. I haven't watched it in years. And rewatching it, I'm like, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Remembering all this stuff, I'm like, oh, this is about to happen. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. It was great. Yeah. So, worst of this era is sadly Robin Hood. Yeah. Despite me wanting to love it. Best of this era is Oliver and Company. And Oliver and Company is a more fun movie to watch. Yes. I would watch it again, but I think Fox and the Hound's a better made movie. Though Fox and the Hound, the songs are not fun to listen to. Fox and the, and the Hound, though, like, it's like, it can be a little scary. If you're, like, a kid, yeah. when when Todd starts, like, growling and his face changes yeah. and his eyes get tiny yeah. and you're like, yeah, that's terrifying. But I think the subject matter is 
heavier, mm. which will make me not want to rewatch it as often. Mm. So I think Fox and the Hound is the best made movie out of these 19. But I think Arthur and Company is the best of this era and the best from gold through bronze. Yes. Arthur and Company. So for the Bronze Age, is there anything you want to take me to task on or do you think I'm about how you feel as well? I honestly think Fox and the Hound should go up higher, but... Well, well, I have Olive and Company, Lady and the Tramp, Aristocats, Fox and the Hound. Where would you put Fox and the Hound out of those four? I'd put it above Aristocats. I could see that. I could see that. I, I like Aristocats, but I, I would put it above Aristocats. Anyway, we're going to go through your list that you have them rated from first to last. Number one, Oliver and Company. Number two. Lady and the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp. Number three, Aristocats. Number four, Fox and the Hound. Number five, Cinderella. Number six, Sleeping Beauty. Number seven, Rescuers. Number eight, 101 Dalmatians. Number nine, The Great Mouse Detective. Number 10, Pinocchio. Number 11, Peter Pan. Number 12, The Black Cauldron. Number 13, Robin Hood. Number 14, Bambi, number 15, The Jungle Book, number 16, Snow White, number 17, Alice in Wonderland, number 18, Dumbo, and number 19, The Sword in the Stone. Nerds at Odds is made possible by our supporters over on patreon.com slash nerds at odds. If you want to become a member of our community and gain access to the show four days early, Gain the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, and so much more. Consider supporting us over there. Thank you. So, before you guys yell at us in the comments, uh, be sure to rewatch all of these films. If you haven't seen them, like, within the past six months or so. Just to give yourself a refresher. And try to take your nostalgia out of it, because... He had no nostalgia. Just, just from a, a movie standpoint, a lot of these are... are uh, boy i mean you know people have their own opinions listen if you want to tell us why we're wrong sure mm. go ahead but don't be mean i know it's the internet you're anonymous essentially don't be mean it's our opinions mm. everyone has opinions and they all stink so, so i have a question for you yeah. going forward with mm. next week's episode in mind do you think Oliver and Company is going to be number one after that? And do you think Sword in the Stone is going to be 19, or oh, last, after next week's episode, if we compile the list together? Well, we've already watched Home on the Range. We've watched about half the movies we have to watch for next week, I think. Yes, but we've already watched Home on the Range, which I think is one of the worst uh, from the next part. Yeah, Renaissance Forward, yeah. And what did you, do you think that was worse than... Sword in, the, uh, Sword in the Stone? Probably not. I think Home on the Range is somewhere in the middle of all these. Yeah, so I think it... I I can't see any movie being worse than our worst one. There could be ones that you like a lot more. You've never seen Big Hero 6. That's no. on the list. It's possible. I think that Sword in the Stone is going to be the worst movie still after yes. next week. yes. And I feel like Oliver and Company might squeeze in in the top ten. It might be. Yep. Yeah. But, I'm going to let mean, you... You're, listen, his rating scale is all his. I have my own opinions, but I don't like rating things. So, it's all going to be... You can yell at him. 
So that's fine. That's fine with me. And Akita's Corner, whose yes. favorite movie was Aristocats by yes. a mile. Akita loved Aristocats, yeah. uh, cat representation. She also liked Oliver and Company, but she didn't like that part where Oliver barked like a dog. Yeah. She thought it was demeaning. Yeah. Traitor. Traitor. Yeah. To, uh, to the cats. Akita would like to remind everybody to spay and neuter your pets and to adopt from a shelter whenever possible. And I know Christmas is coming up. Don't buy a pet just to get tired of it, leave it out in the cold. If, you, if you're going to have a, a dog, a cat, puppy, rabbit, whatever you may want, don't just get it and then build a chain link fence for it to sleep in in the freezing cold. Yeah, so keep in mind if you have the means and the time to take care of an animal before you adopt it. So let's get on into our interesting facts. You wanted to say a word about Snow White, so let's get on to that real quick. Yes, so Snow White, uh, if you didn't know, the the credits are in the opening part. Mm -hmm. It's got opening credits. Lots of older movies do. A, a fair amount of these have opening credits. The actress who does the voice acting for Snow White and all of the voice actors in the whole movie... None of them are credited in the English version of the movie. They're in the, like, foreign mm -hmm. versions of the movie where, like, people are dubbing over it. Those have actual, like, at the end of all of it, there'll be, like, a black screen come up on Disney+, Plus and it shows you, like, who did those, who did the voices for those. But all of the people that did the original voice work for Snow White are not credited at all. And the woman who played Snow White and the man who played the prince were not allowed, were not invited to the opening, the, the first theatrical release of Snow White. They had to sneak in and... Walt Disney wanted to make sure that Snow White's voice wasn't used for anything else, so he essentially blacklisted her. <laughs> and she wasn't really able to work again, and she didn't really get a lot of money from Snow White. Mm. Very unfortunate. So speaking of dubbing things in other countries, yes. much like uh, I'll Make a Man Out of You from Mulan, mm -hmm. in China, Jackie Chan plays the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Unfortunate that Beast doesn't sing in that movie until you get to the live-action version. Yeah, but it's it's insane to see how Jackie Chan is viewed over in China as a much more versatile actor. Well, it, the problem with being in, in America, being an actor, you get typecast. Yeah. You know, like, like uh, who's the character? Who's the guy who played Scott Pilgrim? Michael Sarah. Yeah, he always plays like a nerdy guy. Mm. And Jackie Chan always has to play the martial arts dude. Yeah. And, like, he's got some great movies here in America. I would love to see some of the, the Chinese movies mm. that he's acted in over there. Maybe with some subtitles. You know, I can't speak Mandarin. It's very unfair, in my opinion, that actors get typecast. You can see why sometimes with, like... Oh, he's a nerdy guy. He looks like a nerdy guy. Yeah. Well, when you look like Michael Sale, what are you supposed to do? I don't know. 
But, like, Jackie Chan, the only thing that's defining him to be the martial arts guy is, one, he knows martial arts, and two, his race. Yeah. So, hopefully Jackie Chan can come back to the States. Uh, I like Jackie Chan. I think he's a, a funny dude, also. So. I Honestly, they need to give him more serious roles. He can do yeah. more serious... He's just, like, the funny martial arts guy here in America. Our next fact is every scene in Pocahontas was rewritten at least 35 times. It's probably because uh, the guy who wrote all the journals about mm. meeting Pocahontas for the first time was John Smith. And uh, he really liked to bolster himself mm. up. And also, like, Pocahontas was, like, 13, yeah. 14 when she met John Smith. And John Smith was, like, 30s, 40s. So there really shouldn't be a love story there. And in the second Pocahontas movie, they rewrite it and John Rolfe comes and they go off. Yeah, despite the uh, historical inaccuracies of the movie, I think a lot of these rewrites probably had to do with Disney wanting to uh, not come off as racist. That probably as well, because they... <laughs> the last one that had uh, Native Americans in it was probably Peter Pan. I think that's right, and uh, that was not a good representation. No, so. and I, I think they wanted to, like, distance themselves from that. Yeah. Especially since Pocahontas is the main character. Yeah. I'm interested to see uh, in the future, maybe when we're, like, 40 or 50, right? Mm -hmm. And these movies that we grew up with are truly, like, old movies. Yes. If there's going to be disclaimers before them. For certain things I'm that, sure there that weren't seen as problematic. Um, I have to say, I kind of like Disney's new feature on Disney Plus. Instead of saying the disclaimer in the, um, like the description. description, there's like a 10, 15 second screen that pops up when you play a movie that says it. So you have yeah, to look like, at it. It's it's like, hey, this stuff is not cool anymore. Yeah. We don't believe this stuff anymore and we feel bad about what happened in the past. Mm. I think it's the right thing to do to keep um, the problematic scenes in, though. From I mean, like I a, mean it's better... It's, you don't want to just, like, wipe all that stuff away, because it's still, you know, cinematography. Yeah, I think it's important, historically, to be able to look back at these movies and see what they were like back then. And it, yeah, I guess, like, if Disney... Like, you race that five-second scene in Aristocats that's problematic they're kind of hiding their past, yeah. which would be a bad thing to do. So I think this disclaimer is the right thing to do to go about it. Though so. technically Disney did do... So you've heard about the Aladdin thing, right? What Aladdin thing? So you know the opening song in Aladdin? Yeah. The original version of that song had somewhat or very racist lines in it. I don't remember what mm. those lines were, but they were racist. And so they had released the movie, then they recalled the movie, changed it, and then put it back out. Yeah. Uh, and so there are people that actually have that version of the VHS tape. That's rough. It's like, hey, man, you got the racist cut of Aladdin. Yeah, man, I got the racist cut of Aladdin. You I mean, watch? you know, it's, it's an interesting time that we live in. Yeah. It's like the cut of cats where their feet don't touch the ground. <laughs> 
It's like, who who, who some, released some this movie? Some theater has that. Yeah, who released it? And so they decided to, to fix that by putting shoes on the cats. Yeah, it's like, oh, God, now why? So uh, I don't think we saw it with the, the foot version. We did not see the foot version. Uh, I'm glad movies can get patches now like video games. <laughs> um, yeah. Anything else you want to say before we head on out of here? Just want to give a heads up that our Thanksgiving episode is live uh, as the time of the season nears in the United States for Thanksgiving. Be sure to check that out. And uh, our next-gen console episode is live where we have our special guest, Jamie, who's one of our good friends yeah, and who, patron. Who wrote the theme song that you're going to hear in this episode and all episodes going forward. Yes. You can check him out at the Twitter hashtag. I'm going to link in the description of this show and the description of the next-gen uh, console review episode. You can check his stuff out. Mm-hmm. And next week is going to be part two of our Disney animated film review. Then the week after that is going to be something that we sure. haven't, haven't thought about. Sure. And then the two weeks after that is our Christmas two-parter. The two weeks after that, not two weeks after that. Yeah, the two weeks after that is going to be our Christmas two-parter. Which, unlike this episode where we're going to record a second part, the Christmas episode we're going to record in one sitting, and then uh, we'll release it as two parts. So uh, we have like a Christmas break. Yeah. So... Uh, be sure to check those out. I feel like it's going to be a long episode anyway since we're going to cover 25 Christmas films and Christmas traditions and songs and stuff. So don't worry about it being short. Uh, and uh, after Thanksgiving, I will be posting pictures on Instagram of all of our holiday decorations. Yes, our Christmas village is going up uh, next weekend. Yes. So well, probably I'm like the day after Thanksgiving, I am going to start decorating... So it's going to be the Christmas village, the Christmas tree, the stockings, the Christmas lights. Yeah. I'm going to have so much fun. Yeah. And uh, we can start wrapping presents, whatever we've bought so far. We have to find keto present. Yes. I don't know how we're going to wrap a kitten, but we'll... <laughs> wrap a kitten. Uh, also, just reminder, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, especially about our opinions on these Disney films... You can leave those over at patreon.com slash nerds at odds if you join our community. Uh, there's also the Twitter. You know, yeah. you can tweet at us. Instagram. Leave it in the YouTube comments. If you're interested in the Twitch channel, I post our schedule of what we're streaming. Uh, I post it every Tuesday afternoon so you know what we're streaming for the next week. So you can check that out. I'm going to rope Courtney in on something, I swear. She will stream a game before... The week is out. Work's been hard. So we'll see how that goes. Maybe over the Thanksgiving break, we'll do a a Black Friday stream. A Black Friday stream. Yeah. We just go shopping and bring the camera with us. No, I thought I thought we liked argue about Tickle Me Elmo's and stream a video game. That sounds dumb. Sounds dumb. That sounds dumb. So anyway, guys, we'll see you next week for part two, Renaissance to present day. Yes. Uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. We'll see how uh, that goes. We got a lot of movies to watch. Yeah. Stop it! You're being weird. Okay. Bye, guys. Nerds at Odds is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon.com/NerdsAtOdds. If you want to become a member of our community and gain access to the show four days early, gain the ability to submit your questions, comments, and concerns, and so much more, consider supporting us over there. Thank you, and have a great day.